0: I want to ask you a personal question. Do you read my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321? Because if you don't, I really think you'd like it if you like this podcast. Every Wednesday morning, I send a short newsletter designed to help you lead your organization more strategically and with less overwhelm in five minutes or less. The newsletters are organized around a timely leadership theme and give you something practical that you can apply right away in your organization. I include three of the best articles that I've come across on that theme, two concrete resources or tools that I believe in, and one quote to inspire and motivate you. So if you don't yet get the newsletter, I'm going to make it super easy for you to sign up. Just text the word IMPACT to 66866, and you'll be added to my list. Thanks. Hi, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. Every week, I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching, scaling, and leading a high impact nonprofit. You are listening to episode number 31. In this week's episode, I get to have a conversation with someone I've wanted to talk with for this podcast for quite some time, Heather Vickery. Heather is a celebrated public speaker and success coach that inspires audiences and supports others with the tools they need to live empowered, bold, joy-filled, and successful lives. She's a published author and the host of another great podcast, The Brave Files. I've wanted to talk to Heather because the core theme of her coaching and work is one that is so central to the conversations about leadership and social impact that I have with the leaders that I work with, bravery. Stepping out of our comfort zone, stepping into our power, and believing that we can do something even when everything in us, and sometimes everything around us, suggests it's not possible. Heather and I have a really wonderful conversation about bravery. We talk about the universality of fear, especially in leadership roles, and how to take power back from our fears. Most importantly, We talk about what it means and looks like in practice to choose bravery in little and big ways in response to the myriad challenges that arise in our leadership and in our social change work more broadly. There are a lot of great concrete nuggets in this episode. I hope you enjoy.
1: Hi, Heather. How are you? I'm so good, Brooke, and I'm so excited to be talking to you today.
0: (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I almost never have anyone have as much energy about talking to me as I have talking to them. Like, I'm (laughs) so excited about this conversation. I have, as you know, wanted to talk to you for a long time now because your work and your coaching explore a topic that is so important in my own life and growth And it's so central to the conversations about leadership and social impact that I have with the groups that I work with. And that is bravery, stepping out of our comfort zone, stepping into our own power and believing that we can do something even when everything outside of us and sometimes in us says we can't. It's just a topic that I I get tingly thinking about. So I would love to start at the core with sort of the why Mm -hmm. of it all. Why do you focus your work on this topic of bravery?
1: Right. So that should be such a simple, easy, quick question to answer. It but never like is. <laughs> most things, it isn't. And I will try to make a long story short in sharing that I have made that the center point of all of my businesses, and I have a number of them because it's what saved my life. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Quite quite literally, really. So background on me is that I'm 46. I, When I was in my 20s, I met a nice guy and we got married because that's what you're supposed to do if you want to have babies. And that seemed fine. And we did that and we just sort of followed all of the steps and all of a sudden fast forward a decade and four babies later, and I hate my perfect American life. I have the biggest house in the neighborhood. I had a business that I love that was thriving, but a then husband who called it a hobby. That's a whole different story. And four beautiful children. And it seemed like every day I personally got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then some realizations came through a lot of hard work in my own. The main one being that I was married to the wrong gender. I had followed all of the protocol that society and my loving, wonderful family. It was just never, it was never anything to contemplate that you wouldn't find a nice person of the opposite sex and get married and have a family and have a job and have a nice house and a nice car. And that was just what was going to happen, right? I was joking. I didn't know the lesbians in college. Perhaps if I had found the lesbians in college,
0: (laughs) you wouldn't have caused a different
1: story. I don't know. I wouldn't change anything I've ever done in my life because it would mean that I'm not in this moment. And I love this moment. Mm -hmm. And I love my children to bits and pieces. So I recognized that I was married to the wrong gender and probably just in not the right marriage anyway, even if that weren't the case. We were not compatible in that way. And then I just lived with it (laughs) for a while. And then he found out and we did everything we could to try and fix our lives because you don't get married to get divorced. Yeah. And then I was like, why am I not getting happier? Why am I not feeling better? Why am I not feeling stronger? And I lived the most fear-based life. Whatever decision I could make that was the least scary will cause the least conflict, the least collateral damage. I would do that thing. And I just hated myself. I hated my perfect American life. And one morning was sitting at the breakfast table with all four of my daughters, and they were really quite little. The littlest one was not even yet one. And I thought, what would I tell them to do? If they came to me in this situation, what's the advice I would give them? And it wasn't, well, you made your bed now sleep in it. It wasn't like, we'll suck it up. It was baby girl, go out and own this world. Be you the world is counting on you to bring your most honest, authentic, vulnerable self. Yeah. And that's your only job. You're a mother. And then I thought, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if I want them to do that, I have to show them how to do that. That's my job. And something unlocked in me in that moment. I really, it was like a light switch. I really went from fear-based to limitless possibilities. I'm like, oh, okay. So I knew my why, right? Mm -hmm. If my why is to show my girls that they can fucking do anything, if my why is to show them that they can do anything, then I can actually do anything. So all of a sudden it became really clear that I needed to do something about all of these fears. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about understanding our fears is that when we face them and we learn from them, that's how we get brave. So I chose brave. I chose to use all of those things that I was afraid of get information from them, learn from them, and then leverage that knowledge to make intentionally brave choices. Now, (laughs) you just see your face. they can't see your face. Fast forward eight years to where we are today, I can now say to you, because it's part of my elevator pitch, when we choose bravely on purpose and with intention, we choose bigger, win bigger, and it's contagious.
0: Well, that's, I mean... One of the things that really resonates with me about what you're saying is that you chose Brave, right? I think that, and I shared this with you in the emails sort of back and forth about why I was so excited to talk with you and sort of what I wanted to explore. So many of the conversations that I have with the... Nonprofit leaders that I work with, the sort of mission-driven—because they're not all nonprofits; a lot of them are social enterprises—but people doing mission-driven work, which requires, I think, quite frankly, a, a unique type of vulnerability, right? Absolutely. So out on the sort of frontier, of social change work and changing systems, but there's sort of this behind-the-scenes, whispered conversation around the fears that we yeah. have and that I had when I was running my organization, and. Implicit in so many of the conversations, fears about not raising enough money, not having the kind of impact that we want to have, disappointing the stakeholders and the people. The flip side of that um, in a lot of these conversations is that people are waiting to not be afraid, right? When I am a better leader, when I am a better fundraiser, (laughs) then I will not be afraid. And then I will... (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> and Lies. it just, but I think that's what we learn is that fearless people, people who are fearless, live <laughs> old, amazing lives and achieve incredible missions. And so if I could just be that person, I could just be someone who isn't afraid. And what I love about what you're saying, and I, it's obviously not just you and you talk about this in your work, is not just that you chose brave. It is always a choice. Always. Do not just wake up one day and have no fear. It's, and you talk to people all the time on your podcast. Is that, I feel like maybe I'm just saying that because I want, is that, that. No, it's right? exactly
1: it. And funny that you should say that. I am anti fearless. <laughs> I love it. I call bullshit on fearlessness. And my new book that's coming out at the end of October is called Fuck Fearless. And that's why.
0: Yes. I heard the title and didn't even put that together. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So fearlessness is for sociopaths and three-year-olds. And fearlessness, first of all, it doesn't really exist. It's not really a thing. But more importantly, if you are attempting to be fearless, it means you're being reckless. Mm. It means you're not thoughtful and intentional about the ways in which you choose to be brave. Yeah. The thing yeah. about intentional- Intentionally brave, yeah. Intentionally brave. That's my group coaching program for- yeah. High achieving entrepreneurs is called intentionally brave entrepreneurs. Like, this is a choice and you want to choose it. My podcast. So, I always joke, like, brave is my business, mm. but I have a lot of different parts of it. So, I have the intentionally brave, build your business, create your empire, do all of that. My podcast, which is called the Brave Files, is about creating everyday brave. It's about recognizing that there are hundreds of ways to choose bravely every day. Yeah. And when we know that those choices are brave, same thing. We mm-hmm. choose bigger, when bigger, and it's contagious. And for some days, it may be getting out of bed that's brave or taking a shower, making a phone call, sending an email, leaving your house. Mm-hmm. Some days it may be saying to your clients who are paying you and you really want to serve them, I'm sorry, I have to reschedule, my kid is sick. Yeah. Right. It can look like a million different things and every day it's a bit different. Yeah. And, but when we embrace our everyday brave, it rewires everything. It changes how we show up in spaces, how we communicate, how we ask for support, how we support other people. And what's really cool is I've built this. I'm, I'm like, it's a little bit of a revolution. I've started a revolution, a global revolution on embracing everyday brave. Every single week, I get a message, a DM, an email, a phone call from somebody, whether I've worked with them or I've just encountered them, who says to me, Heather, I did this thing and I thought you'd be proud because it felt so brave. I got one of those emails yesterday from a woman that I met through another podcast I was on two years ago. I've never coached her, but I, I offered a gifted session. Her story was that she grew up in a very strict religious conclave. <laughs> I don't know. I want to be careful. And when they were not inclusive. And she realized that she was queer and had a child who was trans and was trying to get out of it and wanted to have like a real job. I want to work in corporate. I want to work in HR, but I don't know anybody who's a professional. I don't know any women who are professionals. Mm-hmm. I don't have any mentors. And I said, let's chat. Mm-hmm. I know some folks I can introduce you to. So fast forward two years now she's written these beautiful articles and was featured on her local radio station. And she sent me the link and she said, I'm living bravely. I'm doing it. Yeah. I mean, what more do I want out of life than (laughs) to do this thing that I'm so passionate about and have people everywhere just say, Hey, Heather, I can do that. Look, I'm doing it.
0: What do you think is the role of the why you were sort of activated by your children as a why, My children are often my why. And also, when I was running my organization, I had a different why. Absolutely. Um, And different bucket of whys. A lot of the work that I have recently since COVID started to do With nonprofit leaders has been around themselves being the why, if that makes sense. That absolutely. For example, we talk about meetings and everyone's like, How do I get out of meetings? (laughs) And I was like, A, take a look at your list and you can probably cut your meetings by 50% and make all of them 75% as long. And the answer is always, oh, but so-and-so needs this. Oh, but so-and-so, right? They're centering other people. And I feel like some of the small acts of bravery. In the practice of leadership, are often about centering ourselves and our health and our happiness. But they don't show themselves as being brave. It is, in fact, brave to say, I have to reschedule this meeting. My child is sick. And you feel okay doing that because it's your child, but you don't feel okay saying, I'm going to make the 60 minute meeting 45 minutes because I need 15 minutes to breathe at the end. Yeah. That yeah. is so brave.
1: Super brave. Yeah. Super brave. And you're 100% right. First of all, this notion that there are buckets of whys is really valuable and important because and our whys shift sometimes Some of them fall off the plate. That's right. Some of them just add on, right? So while my kids are always the center of of my why in my life, Mm -hmm. professionally, my why is to help an entire community of people live bolder, more beautiful, joy-filled lives that actually feel good. Because I know that when they do that, the people around them are more inspired to do that. And we have healthier communities. It's, it's, not, it's not unlike the work that you do, right? Yeah. It is a social initiative. Mm-hmm. It is to breed kindness and compassion and love and support and all of that. All that comes from that same bucket. Yeah. We have to, have to prioritize ourselves and our needs. Mm-hmm. There is a huge section of my book that I call Radical Self-Care, Radical Self-Trust, Radical Self-Love. And how are they all different? And why do they matter? So the book is about my brave method, which is the platform I use to coach and speak and train. It is not an enter at A, exit at Z, do these things and get this result kind of thing. It's more, how do we think creatively and strategically about everything? Sometimes it's problem solving. Sometimes it's, pro- it's creation, whatever we want it to be, right? And boundaries, B is an acronym Boundaries is that very first thing. Mm -hmm. You deserve the right to have boundaries. Boundaries Mm -hmm. define limits of acceptable behavior. The Heather version is you get to decide. You get to decide what's acceptable. And so if it's acceptable to you to have a 45-minute meeting instead of a 60-minute meeting because you require a few minutes to go to the bathroom and get some water and maybe just sit in silence, you have every right to demand that. And also all this shit will get done in 45 minutes versus 60.
0: Well, that's the thing. That's part of the fear, right? The other side of bravery is the fear that's sort of keeping us locked in. And it's the fear of it not getting done. The fear of balls dropping and we look silly and we get the phone call mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. donor that's like, I thought you were going to have this to me. You know? And
1: so we put systems in place for that, right? Like all of these things work collectively. So if you're going to have a 45 minute meeting, then, and so this is all, believe it or not, part of the brave method. Like what kind of systems make us stronger and better? Mm -hmm. And by choosing to acknowledge them and implement them and communicate them, that's brave, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay. Who's taking notes? Who's sending the follow-up email that says, this is what so-and-so is doing. This is my responsibility. These are our deadlines so that everybody knows what to expect. We've got to put all those systems in place so that Things function well, <laughs> yeah. and that's brave.
0: Yeah, I love it. You talk about fear either owning or empowering you. What is it's that? Just what
1: you just said? Yeah, it's literally what we just talked about. We never if if fear wins, we never take action. So it owns you. If or you, you look at your fear, what are you it,
0: name it and therefore yes. own it, tame it as a right? Yeah.
1: So. Let's say you're the leader of a nonprofit organization and there are too many freaking meetings and you can't handle it. If you bring the team together and say, how many of you are sick and tired of meetings? Everyone's going to raise their hand because they're always really tired of it, right? And we say, okay, how can we work more efficiently? How can we work smarter, not harder? I want to cut our meetings in half. What do we need to do to make that happen? Yeah. And then they're going to talk about what they're afraid of. Well, this could happen or that could happen. So talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If this happens, if the donor is pissed and they don't want us, they don't want to give us money anymore, then we don't do that thing or then we change it or we ask them what would make them happy, right? There's just talk about it. Name your fear. Mm -hmm. Find out if it's actually valid. I have a client years ago who the very first time we talked, she wanted to take one day in the middle of the week off because she worked, she owned her own business and worked a regular weekday, but her spouse was in the events industry and worked through the weekend and they were never together. And she said, I really just want to take Wednesdays off so that we can spend the day together. But I can't. I'm like, why, why can't you? You <laughs> own your own business. Oh, well, well, what if the clients get mad and I need the clients and what if I can't get all my work done? And I said, well, could you work a Saturday to make up for the Wednesday? Well, yeah, yeah, I could do that. Okay. She probably was doing that anyway because, you know, entrepreneurs and the hustle. But I so said, what's the worst thing that could happen if you just decided that you were going to take Wednesdays off? And she's like, well, my client could fire me. And I said, well, then you could say, okay, never mind. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Or, <laughs> or you could decide that's not the right client for you. Right. And get a different one. And I, I just said, what's the best thing that could happen? And she's like, well, I could get Wednesdays off and then hang out with my spouse. And that would be super fun. And I said, Is it worth finding out? She said, Yes. The next morning, I got a voicemail that said, So I told all of my clients that I was no longer going to be working on Wednesdays. And all they said was, Okay, thanks for letting us know. <laughs> and some of them probably emailed and were like,
0: How can I do that? <laughs> you know?
1: Right. Yeah. She's like, She does what she says she's going to do. She hits our Tuesday deadlines, she picks up on Thursday. Right. But all of a sudden, then, They have this time together and she's they're skiing together and cooking together and going on walks together and all of these things that you want to do with your partner one-on-one, right? They don't have children. And it was just, sometimes it's just as simple as recognizing what you want to change, deciding how you can implement that change, communicating it clearly, and then sticking to it. It's boundaries, right? And, And systems. Name it, ask for what you want, Trust that you're worthy of getting what you want, which is huge. And also most people don't care. Most of the time, they just don't care. They just want to know what to expect.
0: We were talking before, you know, we started hitting record about everyone's in their own movie. Yes. And most of us play a much smaller part in other people's movie than we think we do. Absolutely. Um, So,
1: Wait till your boys are teenagers because I've got teenagers right now and it's impossible to convince teenagers that nobody cares about what they're doing is they're
0: so offended by it. But I oh, tell adults, I'm like the same as seven year olds <laughs> and three year olds. They're pretty much it's like the magic of adults. Every adult, you could be a perfect stranger who says to my son. Oh, I hear you're an inventor. And he'd be like, yes, I have no idea how you know that. But of course you do, because I'm me. And everybody knows all of the things about me. Exactly. So it sounds like I've got... Yeah, but as they get get
1: older, that's a problem. They're all looking at what I wear. They noticed my zit. They noticed that I was uncomfortable when the teacher called on me in class. Now that they're
0: on Zoom all the time, it's like, oh, they're all watching me. They're all looking at me. I mean, all joking aside, I'm not sure that that goes away even in adulthood as much as we think it does. And that's... That's That's the work. That's the work. And that's the sort of pernicious underbelly of how leadership and entrepreneurship and social doing sort of big, bold work is talked about. I mean, I came of age... And you and I are around the same age at a time where like, if you wanted to do big, important things, right? And especially in social change work, as I've been doing, then you were willing to be out on the front lines, on the frontier, pushing society forward. And you didn't give a shit what people thought. That was sort of the vision. And it wasn't until I started running my organization. I had this amazing, my listeners have heard me talk about this collective of women EDs. We called ourselves the Sustainable Sisterhood. I love Um, that. Yeah, we met for seven years, the first Wednesday of every month. We were all executive directors and we talked really openly about the fears and the challenges and how often we were sort of acting as if, right? You act like you are big and bold and that's just as good as being big and bold until the fear feeling catches up. That's right. Yeah. And one of the things that struck me now that I do so much mentoring and coaching of people who are building their organizations is that those conversations are always happening behind the scenes. I mean, less yeah. so right. Than than I think when we were coming of age, but they shouldn't happen behind the scenes, right? Perfect. Conversations about what we are concerned about, worried about, challenged by what terrifies us about what we're doing If you have them only behind the scenes, then you miss the opportunity to learn from one another and make one another stronger.
1: And to humanize it because we do all feel those things. In the coaching industry, there's this whole train of thought, this whole crew of people who feel like they can only show perfect because why would somebody pay them if they're not perfect? And then there's you Mm -hmm. and me, Brooke. And then there's us where (laughs) that would not work
0: for me. (laughs) This
1: is a mess, right? Like I Sometimes it's awesome and sometimes everything works like it's supposed to, but it's not always like that. Or I'm tired today, or I've got this personal thing that's keeping me from being my best self today. Whatever it is, I really show up. uh, Full transparency. I had a launch a few weeks ago that I worked really hard on. I had the team on, spent thousands of dollars on. And for the first time, this was the fifth time I've done this launch. For the first time, it didn't work. No one showed up. I mean, eight people showed up. But out of the 100 I was expecting, except for the people who are already my clients, they all showed up and loved it because I teach it as a workshop, but it was a launch into my program. No one showed up and no one bought. As it would have required, I it's a I open up a new cohort of my IBE program mm-hmm. and the Intentionally Brave Entrepreneurs program, and it's, it maxes out at eight people. So that would have been 100% conversion, which is dumb. Yeah. And for a moment, I thought, this is awful, like the sky is falling. And then I was like, what's in this for me? Right? And Mm -hmm. there were a lot of things in it for me. I realized that I hadn't hit a floor, I'd hit a ceiling. What Mm -hmm. I'd been doing before had gotten me as far as it could get me. It was time to bust through and build something bigger. Yes. And I needed to do some restructuring of my program and my team so that I could expand in the way that I wanted to. If I had gotten that cohort, I wouldn't have had the capacity to do this new building. And the third thing was my clients needed to see me fail like that so that they could fail up also. And I went live in my program and I laid every bit of it out and they all came to me afterwards and said we so appreciate seeing One of the your, most truth and your transparency.
0: That's right. Well, and the yeah. other thing, I mean, what often happens in those situations is we lean into the fears that are triggered, right? The sort of this failure happened, and then there's this cascade of, and therefore this mm-hmm. other thing, and therefore this other thing, and actually what I'm doing doesn't work. And those fears can take over instead of... Downward spiral. Exactly, the downward spiral. I will share a similar story, which I love this story now that it is years later. <laughs> I, when I was so six years into my organization, I am meeting with my director of operations and she's relatively new, maybe like the first six months she'd been there and she's in charge of the back end of our annual gala. And she's very anxious about it, which I'm starting to see because, like, the questions, there's, like, a nervous <laughs> energy. And I think she was, like, a little frustrated with me because I wasn't responding with the same level of, like, urgency and, like, fear. And so finally I sat down and I was like, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you a story about <laughs> why I'm not scared.
1: <laughs> and there are always
0: fears around guys. And you know?
1: they're done that, didn't die.
0: Have our fundrais, you know, we're gonna hit our fundraising target and nobody's gonna show up. So for no, this is our seventh year because this is what happened. So fifth year anniversary for the organization. We throw this big party, biggest party we had thrown, and it was a just smash hit. Couple hundred people came, we flew through our fundraising target. I was patting myself on the back. I was like, this is not as hard as everybody says it is. Like, why does everybody say throwing a party is difficult? I got a DJ. We had a silent auction. I sent out some invitations. It's our fifth anniversary. Everybody come. It was a great party. Got a loft, had some food. So fast forward the next year. And I again think that I have. just... I can see where this is going. <laughs> I think that I have just nailed this, and I'm going to write a book. And I mean, not really, but you know, this is was like this is just not that hard. So we're going to do it again. So I get a DJ, I get a loft, I get silent auction items, I have the food, the whole thing, and I send out the invitations. And the evening comes, and it's this like beautiful loft in Dumbo that a good friend had donated overlooking the water. It's like this perfect night in December. And it took probably an hour and a half into the party for me to finally accept that nobody was coming. <laughs> not a single, but no, that's not true. Two board members, two people on my staff, And my sister and her friend. Those are the
1: people. And you know, I don't know, I think you know this, your listeners don't know this, but I owned an event planning business for eight years. And the event planner in me is going, why
0: were you not accepting RSVPs? I mean, (laughs) just so many things, right? No host commit, like, right. This future me knows, but that did a lot to learn. So yeah. much to learn. And that did a couple things sort of in keeping <laughs> this idea of bravery. A, I think it took a lot of bravery for me to ever do an event again. But yes, more importantly, and this is what I said to my director of operations, I was like, look, I could have looked at that event and gone home and been like, you know what? This organization I'm trying to build isn't working. People don't want to invest. I will say, people donated. They just didn't come. So we at least I didn't have to go to my board and say, There you go hit our fundraising target. I think I it might've taken me a little longer to get to this place of <laughs> healthy acceptance if we hadn't made money, which we did, but you know, it was still very embarrassing having to send back the yeah. selection items. And what
1: I said- was, Oh no, you don't have to do that. If anybody's listening, you don't have to do that either. Just keep them and reuse them for a different oh.
0: option. So I wasn't convinced I was ever going to do it again, right? And this is the fear, <laughs> which is this clearly isn't Working. I've gotten something wrong. People are not showing up to support, right? You have all of these voices in your head. Mm -hmm. The model that I built isn't resonating, all of the things. I mean, especially as a founder, you're just like, so much of it is like me out there convincing the world of my vision. And then I talked to my best friend and I realized I could see this as an example of my fears all being right, or I could say, exactly what you said what is the lesson here for me to learn yeah yeah other people have great events I have not actually explored what they did <laughs> <I have laughs> said, in classic Brooke fashion. I was like, I it
1: sounds done. like a very male perspective, Brooke. Like, I don't need to know how to do this. Let me just go do it.
0: I'm going to tell you, it served me well as a litigator. Like, you know, it's my personality. I, I know me very well. I do me. And often it works. And then sometimes it doesn't. And, and, then, yeah. and so to sort of go into this idea of, like, the fear response or the brave response, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for me only by recognizing the failure, the things I had not done wrong, and not assigning any sort of emotional or moral weight to them. It yes. doesn't no mean judgment. no yeah. judgment. allowed me to name them, sit with my crew of accountability buddies and say, Will you debrief this with me? Yes, and let let me get it better next time. If I had had a fear response, I wouldn't have been open and vulnerable enough to do that, and I never would have. Grown. Absolutely,
1: so and have it doesn't do mean work. it wasn't scary. So this is, yeah. this falls in, under my favorite letter in the Brave Method, which is the three R's. It's the R reassessment, reframing, and resilience. Right. So you took this really uncomfortable unhappy situation and you reassess it like okay well so it didn't do these things i wanted it to do but what did it do right and then reframing that and how do i want to do this again if i do how do i want to do it exactly. who needs to help me do it how do we build this and then you get up with a new plan and you do it again and, it and i don't know much how better. much yep so much better. We do it so much better. You know, I had an event planning business for years as I went through my own transformation, the one I mentioned at the beginning of, of the interview. Up until now, I closed that business. Yeah. I mean, I literally burned my whole life to the ground and rebuilt it. You gotta burn the it. ships. Bravery. you gotta no burn the ships. No plan B. <laughs> no plan B. But I built it the way I wanted it. And yeah. so I don't know if you're familiar with Angela Duckworth and of her course. research on grit. Oh, yeah. She's great. such an amazing mentor of mine. But she's proven scientifically that the number one thing that makes us most successful is grit slash resilience. So I use R mm-hmm. because it yeah. fits, right? It's more about, are you going to consider the bad things permanent or temporary? Can you learn from them? And are you willing to get up with a new plan and do it again? Resiliency is the key. But don't beat your head again. Don't get up and do it again exactly the way you did it if you know it's not working. You have to reassess. You have to reframe. You have to make a new plan. That's right. And that's a really, really brave thing to do. And it's a really hard thing to do in life and especially in business. And I think especially in the social initiative work that you're in because. We don't want to see what's not working. It's really scary it's to be scary. like, what if we're not making the money? What if we're not making the impact? Okay. What, if, what if we're not on track for our goals? Mm-hmm. But what if you are and you don't know it and you're not celebrating it and building from it? Yeah. And more so... That's my favorite part of it. But more so, what if you're really freaking close and all you had to do was make one more phone call? That's right. But you don't know it because you haven't been paying attention.
0: Or what if you attribute, you think this one thing's going wrong, but actually in reassessing, it's fine. Everything's fine except this other teeny little thing. That's right. Yeah.
1: You've got to make that time, get real. I have so many clients who have financial goals and and this works in every realm, but money Mm -hmm. seems to come back to money all the time. always. And they don't, they're afraid, oh, what if I'm not making my goals? And almost inevitably they're like, oh, I'm making more than what I was supposed to be making or, oh, I'm one client away. How do I get this one client? I could change this thing. I could add this one product, whatever it is. And it feels so good. And they come back to me the next week Changed people like all of a sudden because brave begets brave, it feels yes. good. Yes. And then they're like showing up 110%, whereas before they were at maybe 60% because they didn't have the information they needed to go in and be empowered.
0: That's right. So I would actually love, before we wrap up, for you to walk through your acronym. Brave. Yeah. You've referenced a few of them, but just it <laughs> out for the listeners, what?
1: Yeah. What is well, I guess the, we could have started model? with that, but that's cool. Like, so oh,
0: we've arrived there organically.
1: <laughs> we've arrived there organically. So as I said before, brave is my business and that it made sense for brave to be my acronym for how I support people and do what I do. Mm-hmm. And I actually have to give a tiny shout out before it was brave, which is five steps. It was seven steps. And the person who helped me identify my seven steps was one Eddie Babbage. My wonderful husband. (laughs) (laughs) My wonderful accountability partner. So I got to give him some props for that. But brave. He's very good at that. (laughs) Very good at it. Yeah. It's a wonderful superpower. Brave stands for boundaries, the three R's, which is reassessment, reframing, and resilience action and accountability, vulnerability, and expand and empower. So the first four don't have to go in that order. It just works because it's brave. But you do them in whatever capacity you do them in, and your result is expansion and empowerment. And I want to just speak for one second to the concept of empowerment. It's a buzzword. Yeah. We hear it a lot. And I want everyone listening to know that empowerment is a gift that you give yourself. No one can give it to you. Nobody else empowers you. You only empower yourself by showing up, by showing up again and again and again and doing the thing. We, you and I, Brooke, we can coach, we can mentor, we can train, we can guide. We don't do the empowering. That's inner work. We empower ourselves. When you recognize that by showing up, And by being brave, that you are empowered, you show up different. That is just what happens.
0: That was actually, it's I sort of got chills. The whole premise of the organization that I started was called the Resilience Advocacy Project, was rooted in this idea of resilience and self-empowerment. And the idea that particularly when we're talking with children growing up in poverty and black and brown children, there's always a framework of them being empowered, right? Resilience being imparted unto them. And so most of the work that I did, and I did it through the lens of social justice and law, was helping them see that they are inherently powerful. Yeah. Yes.
1: Now I have the chills. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And people want to think that they're not resilient. And I like to remind them that they're here in this moment, having this conversation, and therefore they
0: must That is Exactly. Yep. It's a choice, a constant choice. I love this. So what is one... Piece of advice that you would offer my listeners, sort of given this wonderful conversation we've had about fear and bravery and choosing bravery and leaning into the lessons of failure and resilience and being empowered, all of the things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot, I have an entire book. Uh, that's coming out oh, at the advice. end of October. So narrowing it down to one is really asking me like to pick a favorite child, Brooke, but because I love I you. never ask. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, here's what i would do. So the key to making all of this work is being aware, being aware of yeah. who you are, what you want, where you've been, where you want to go, how you do it, Awareness changes everything. When we are aware of our behaviors and our desires, we start to instantly even before we know it create change for better or for worse, right? With that awareness, usually it's it's good. So here's what I would say to do is think about the worst things that have ever happened to you in your life and identify what is better because of them. And there is something you've learned a lesson, you no longer have something that you didn't realize you didn't want, whatever it is, right? So think about the very worst experiences you've been through, like your, I mean, I don't know where it falls on your list of things, but like your event, right? What do you now
0: know that's better? What's good out of what was bad? I love that. And that in and of itself is manifesting our power. That's exactly. We're taking okay. back the power from the fear, from the pain. I love That's that. That's
1: exactly it. And start a
0: gratitude practice. We didn't even get to talk about gratitude, but it's... You know what? Thing. I will have you back on the podcast. Okay. The whole conversation about gratitude and manifesting. <laughs> we have to. We also haven't talked about that. Very I know. There's a lot. Things. There's so much. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned you have a book coming out. Where can folks go to learn more about your work and get your book when it comes out?
1: Thank you. I am super easy to find. My kids think I'm a celebrity because if you Google my name, I pop up, my picture pops up. I don't have the heart to tell them it's really good SEO. But (laughs) my website is vickeryandco.com, V-I-C-K-E-R-Y and Co. I'm on all the socials. I have a lot of fun on Twitter. I don't do a lot of business on Twitter, but I'm there at Vickery and Co. Come hang out. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I invite everybody if you want I have a free group on Facebook called the Brave on Purpose Collective, which is just a whole bunch of people who are ready to leverage their fears into intentional bravery to do whatever the hell they want. It's free. Search Brave on Purpose on Facebook. Come and hang out and get on my newsletter. It will tell you all about the book. The book is called Fuck Fearless, Making the Brave Leap. And I break down the brave method with a series of personal memoir type stories, case studies, and brave actions that you can do to step up into your inner brave.
0: I love it. And your podcast, The Brave Files.
1: Oh, yeah. My podcast is called The Brave Files Podcast. You can literally find it wherever you're listening to this one. You can yeah. listen to mine. And I interview people who have stepped out of fear and into bravery. In all
0: different ways. Yes.
1: Every possible way from things that you might think are tiny and insignificant, like I'm afraid of heights, but I went in a hot air balloon. Yeah. To I had to carry my child's deceased body out because the body bag was too small.
0: It is a wonderful podcast.
1: Thank you. We shouldn't end on dead children, probably. Let's talk about that.
0: <laughs> no, that's why I to come back and say <laughs> it is a, a beautiful podcast and a reminder that bravery shows up in big and small ways in our own lives.
1: Absolutely. It right. does. And just remember that you're brave. Start to recognize it. Yeah. As you move through your day, think Fairness. this feels hard today. So that must mean it's brave because I'm showing up. That
0: is the perfect thing to end on. Thank you so much, Heather. This was a great, great conversation. I cannot wait to do it again.
1: Thank you for having me. I can't wait either. I love you to bits. So thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for joining me this week on the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts and please share with your friends. I'd also love to share just a few free resources. If you are the leader of a small six-figure organization and you're ready to scale to the next level of massive impact, check out my free training, Scale Your Small Nonprofit to Big Impact, a roadmap to getting the funding, staff, and support you need to hit your first million dollars. You can sign up for the free training at richiebabbage.com backslash readytoscale. Finally, if you'd like some more leadership resources and strategies delivered right to your inbox, sign up for my weekly newsletter, Leadership 321. Each week, I curate and share three articles, two resources, and a quote on a theme. That's all for now. Have a great week, and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind.